The opinions expressed on Vincentian Voice are solely those of the guests appearing and do not necessarily represent the opinions of the Sisters of Charity of Nazareth or of Vincentian Collaborative System. Welcome to Vincentian Voice, a voice for seniors and their families, with Vincentian President and CEO Nick Vizaka. Since 1924, Vincentian has provided compassionate care to Pittsburgh area seniors. You can learn more about Vincentian at www.vcs.org. If you have any ideas for the show, email Nick at CEO at VCS.org or call 412-548-4054. That's 412-548-4054. And now, here's Nick. Hello and welcome again to Vincentian Voice. I'm your host, Nick Vizaka. Our guest today is Deacon Cliff Homer, Pastoral Associate at St. Catherine of Sweden Church. Thank you so much for joining us, Deacon Cliff. It's great to be here. Thank you, Nick. So I think on this Easter Sunday, as we talk about traditions and different important things in the church, one of the things I really want to talk about first is, as I said, you know, this is Deacon Cliff. And I think a lot of people have this misconception or really don't really know what a mm-hmm. deacon does and the role of the deacon in the church and other lay people in Catholic churches. So Deacon Cliff, I think if you can hit a little bit of, upon that in your role and maybe how you came to be a deacon and, and really what it means so people understand. Sure, sure. So deacons were actually preceded both priests and bishops. Actually, you can read about deacons in the Acts of the Apostles, when at that time the apostles appointed seven men that they brought forward to be deacons. The first martyr was actually a deacon. St. Stephen was actually one of the first seven deacons of the church and also the first martyr. I know that wow. because uh, I grew up at St. Stephen's Parish in Hazelwood. So, Well, I thought you were going to tell me it was because of our Father Steve at St. Catherine's yeah. Suite. I'm sure he might want to take credit for that, right? But- yeah, well, that's who, that's who he's named after, for sure. He, he always reminds me of that. And uh, so deacons were prominent in the church all the way up until a little after the year 1000. And there were so many guys that wanted to be priests that they kind of faded away. And it never left. There's two types of deacons that people know about. And first, there is a transition deacon. So that's a deacon who gets ordained by the bishop, Mm -hmm. were ordained by the bishop, and about a year later is going to get ordained a priest. Okay. Right. Okay. So many people come to me and say, well, Deacon Cliff, when are you going to be ordained a priest? You know, and I always kid them. I say, well, you know, if it weren't for a couple of impediments that I have, and I always lovingly say, first, my wife of 34 years, <laughs> and then I have three kids, too, three sons. So they're not ready for that prime time, but the Pope is working on some of those things, yeah. I think, uh, you know, has he moves forward. But the permanent diaconate was brought back after Vatican II. Okay. And why it was brought back is they were actually actuating the declining number of our priestly brothers. And with that, they thought, you know, we're going to need some folks to be able to do some more ministries, men who would be ordained, follow obedience to the bishop and, right. and, and work. So after uh, Vatican II, this diocese in 1974, they ordained about 25 men okay. at that time right after. Actually, one was assigned to St. Stephen's where I was at. So that's I kind of got to see firsthand back then. Right. But our diocese has always been, had enough guys that wanted to become priests. We were always blessed that way. So the diaconate, permanent diaconate, there really was no need until they saw Cardinal Worrell saw in the 1990s that there was, yeah. you know, that this number was really declining. So in 1999, he ordained about 35 brothers. And then we didn't ordain any until my class in 2011, where we ordained about 42 brothers. 
And our ministry is a ministry of service. Um, we go sure. to St. Paul Seminary, yep. kind of like the priest, but uh, all of us, most of us had secular positions in the secular world. I'm mm-hmm. retired, postal, I'm senior manager. I managed the transportation and networks for this part of the world when I was going through St. Paul Seminary. And uh, we go to night school and one Saturday a month, it's kind of like being in the reserves, you know. <laughs> and uh, for five and a half years, we did that. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then you come out and you're ordained. The bishop ordains you like a priest. But we have kind of a threefold ministry at church. We get a, a liturgical assignment. So you're assigned like a priest to a church. I was assigned to St. Catherine of Sweden Parish. I was really blessed that way. So I got assigned there immediately after I was ordained June 11, 2011, and I've been there ever since. And liturgically, we kind of provide a few things. We can preach. So we assist on the altar. We preach the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a real dedication to the word of God. And so we're, we're ordained to do that, to be able to, to preach. We can do some sacramental stuff. So we baptize. We officiate weddings. We bury the dead. So we call that hatch, match, and dispatch in the business <laughs> <laughs> there. So uh, wow. we, we do those things. I actually had the deacon trifecta this week with having a wedding, a, a funeral, and a baptism wow. within the last couple of days. So we call I that like the deacon that. trifecta. Yeah. It's so like we the Gordy Howe hat trick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we work, you know, closely with the pastors in helping them to do them things. We also do, you know, some education throughout the parish. So I kind of look over, you know, I help new couples who want to receive the sacrament of matrimony. I help couples who, you know, are looking to receive the sacrament of baptism, those things. So that's kind of some of the things that are roles within the parish. Mine's a little bit more unique because uh, a few years back, about four years ago, uh, the Postal Service figured out I was overpriced and undereducated. And <laughs> at 52, they offered me an early retirement. Oh. Yeah, and it was exciting. Okay. I mean, I didn't want to quit working, obviously, at 52, but, you know, I had this new ministry. And by God's grace and Bishop Zubik, I left that position and went for a couple of years to be the Chief Operating Officer of Catholic Charities. And then um, in my current position, what happened is St. Catherine of Sweden, we had two priests. And right. with the workload of priests changing and the numbers really declining, mm-hmm. the regional vicar came and said, what do you think about coming on staff full time, really concentrating on the administration of a parish when we'll have the pastor concentrate liturgically and sacramentally and see how that relationship could work. And uh, the model has worked really well for myself and Father Steve. And there's models in other parishes with other deacons. And yeah, uh, yeah so uh, it really puts the priest in a position of really what they have studied and their life is for serving us sacramentally and uh, liturgically. So I'll have to say to Father Steve when I see him that I know who does all the work now after <laughs> that, that great explanation. Um, Thank you. But I, I think, too, that, you know, when and, and again, we talked a little bit about this before we came on the air, and I don't want to get into the, you know, the discussion about what's going on with uh, mm-hmm. on mission for the church alive. I think it's a monumental task what mm-hmm. Bishop Zubik and the diocese is going through. I think they're doing a great job. But, you know, I do want to maybe touch upon a little bit after we come back from break. I want to talk about the, the Catholic Church and the schools, because I know that St. Catherine has a great school. And just get your thoughts on that. And we can do that right after this break.
When you or someone you love needs to recover from surgery, a fall, or illness, trust Vincentian Home in McCandless. Recently rated five stars by CMS. Enjoy personal attention in a state-of-the-art rehab center with a caring, knowledgeable staff and amenities like private rooms and restaurant-style dining. You'll be well on your way to recovery. Click vcs.org or call 412-548-4100 to learn more. Vincentian Home. It's all about living. Welcome back to Vincentian Voice, a voice for seniors and their families. I'm Nick Vizaka, Vincentian's president and CEO. If you'd like to join the conversation, email me at ceo at vcs.org or call me at 412-548-4054. That's 412-548-4054. Again, joining us today is Deacon Cliff from our parish at my parish, actually, St. Catherine of Sweden in, in Wildwood, PA, Hampton. Thank you again, Deacon Cliff, for joining us. It's great to be here. And I think one of the things we want to do before we move on is wish everybody a happy Easter, obviously, and happy Holy Week. And for all my fellow Italians, Buona Pasqua out there. Had to get that out there. I'm sure my mother will be happy and any of our residents listening at Ascension Villa would be happy. Before the break, Deacon Cliff, we were talking about, you know, the churches and, and the schools and the monumental task that the diocese has. And again, I don't want to get into the politics because I think that Bishop Zubik has a, a big task ahead of him with a lot of people looking at consolidation and things. But just to get your thoughts on, you know, where Catholic education is today, where you see it going in the future, because as I said, St. Catherine of Sweden, you know, my kids have gone through the preschool and we're going to have one going through here soon. And it's fantastic. So to even think that that wouldn't be available would be a little bit of a upsetting to us. But what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, the interesting thing, we all know that school attendance, you know, kind of has declined. And there's a couple reasons for that. There's, you know, sure. it can be demographic changes. They got to be taken into account, you know, church attendance. Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot of different things. I think, you know, the, the Catholic schools are going to continue to work as long as Catholic parents, you know, really take a look at deciding to educate their children in the culture of our faith. Exactly. And it's worth the expense to do that. But we got to do a good job as educators, yep. as administrators, you know, myself. We've made some changes over the last four years since I've been on staff there, you know, with our preschool because we want to bring folks in. So we looked at ways we put in a two-year-old mommy and me programs to yes. get the kids, you know, assimilated to coming in and, and being with those teachers or that school atmosphere. We're so excited this year or a few years ago, we put in a religious education program within the preschool. Um, So uh, those kids go to what we call catechesis of the good shepherd. And that is actually religious formation for three, four and five year olds. It can go up more grades, but you know, within there, that's part of the curriculum. So those kids get there and it's a very beautiful teaching of the faith. It's through like a Montessori method of teaching where we created these retreat almost chapels for these kids in there. We call them atriums. And in there, they know that's a sacred space. It's so amazing to see because we can put 12 kids in there. That'll be the quietest room in that whole church. Oh, yeah. When sure. they're there. And, and the kids, you know, they're longing for this relationship that we're teaching them there. So it's a beautiful part of the curriculum. But we even want to expand that even more. So we're going to put in a Montessori, Catholic Montessori program for to secularly yeah. teach those kids. You know, they're, they're reading, writing, arithmetic. 
Yeah, and starting them early, I think, is fantastic because I remember growing up, right, you didn't start till first grade. But, you know, to get these young children in sooner, I think that's the future. And, and look, it's not, this stuff's not cheap, right? You need the educators. And, and I think a lot of that, when people look at, you know, why are you closing my school? Why are you doing this? You have to really think about the financials of it. And I'll tell you that, you know, even as I've heard many times from our own sisters, uh, Vincentian, and margin feeds the mission, right? So I think yeah. you have to figure out a way to make it viable, but also continue that mission in the ministry that you're serving. So I think that that's, like I said, I've had my children go through it. It's fantastic. And if your parish has that and you're a young couple that with young children really look into that because it is something that builds that foundation for them as they grow older and it keeps the, you know, the Catholic faith strong. But, you know, again, it is Easter Sunday and I wanted to talk a little bit about what St. Catherine of Sweden specifically, but, you know, in all churches, what they do to make Easter special for parishioners. Because I know at St. Catherine, we had a beautiful one night in Bethlehem for Christmas. So what are the things that St. Catherine's and maybe some other churches do to really engage their parishioners and really give them the real meaning of Easter? Right, right. Well, you know, it all starts way back in September when we look at our RCIA program. We're bringing in new Catholics. And, uh, you know, we've been blessed this year to have eight people that are coming into the faith and two children who are older children, but were never catechized as they were younger. So the excitement is they're coming in and they've been studying and working hard since September. And all that is going to culminate at the Easter vigil on Saturday, the night before Easter, which, you know, is the mother of all liturgies sure, in the sure. Catholic Church. But it, it, that is a, a beautiful thing, and that's the culmination of everything. But it really starts, you know, with Holy Week. So Passion Sunday, Palm Sunday, you know, we yes. have some beautiful liturgies that happened on Palm Sunday. And we move into Holy Thursday. And really for clergy, it's a beautiful thing because our bishop calls all the clergy down to the cathedral for what's called the Chrism Mass. Yes. Um, where he blesses and gives us all the oils. He recognizes, you know, it's a recognition of the priest and their um, vocation. He does that. And then we bring those oils back. We actually have a family who, who goes down that gets the oils and then they bring them to the church uh, yes. on Sunday evening. Or, I mean, on Thursday evening. Holy Thursday for us, and it starts in the Triduum is three liturgies, but it's really a one continuous liturgy. Yes. Yep. It starts with Holy Thursday in the Mass of the Lord's Last Supper, and continues on Friday, you know, with our Lord's crucifixion, and ends with the resurrection and the culmination of that Easter Vigil Mass. So that really, if you really want to engulf about what our faith is all about. Mm-hmm. Being able to go to those three liturgies, you know, as I remember my parents just bringing me to yeah. when, I, when I was a young kid. We also do a neat thing, too. On Friday night, we have what's called a tenebrae service uh, on Good Friday. And the tenebrae is, it consists of some readings and scriptures. They're usually about seven different readings and scriptures, a lot from the Book of Lamentations, actually. And we have seven candles lit and has each reading is read after it's done, that candle is extinguished all the way until we actually extinguish the Easter candle that we've used all year. And oh, we're going to uh, get a new one. New one, one. yep. Yeah. Okay. You know, at that visual, but we extinguish that candle. Um, and then at the very end, the whole church is dark. And uh, there's a loud kind of sound. Uh, it's, uh, some folks, we don't do it because our uh, 
Capuchin brothers like to have that Easter candle, but some, right. some churches slam that candle down and break it in a loud sound. It's, and it's supposed to mark the oh, same that. sound okay. that was made when the tomb was shot. And the, ah. that's, yeah, that's so we kind of just make a, a loud bang in the church and everyone leaves in darkness and, and spare silence. the candle. Yeah, we spare the candle. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So again, a lot of great things happening that culminate to today, to Easter Sunday. And, you know, I want to take an opportunity in the last segment after we come back from the break to share some of our favorite Easter memories growing up for you, Deacon Clifford, for myself, and just to get some of those thoughts and, and make it fun. And um, we'll do that right after this break. When you or someone you love needs to recover from surgery, a fall, or illness, trust Vincentian Marion Manor in Greentree, recently rated five stars by CMS. Enjoy personal attention in a state-of-the-art rehab center with a caring, knowledgeable staff and amenities like private rooms and restaurant-style dining. You'll be well on your way to recovery. Click vcs.org or call 412-548-4100 to learn more. Vincentian Marion Manor. It's all about living. Welcome back to Vincentian Voice, a voice for seniors and their families. I'm Nick Vizaka, Vincentian's president and CEO. Again, if you'd like to join the conversation, please email me at ceo at vcs.org or call me 412-548-4054. That's 412-548-4054. And again, joining us today, Deacon Cliff, St. Catherine of Sweden Parish. Again, Deacon Cliff, thank you so much for being my guest. Great being with you. So before the break, we talked a lot about what St. Catharines does and some other parishes do to make Easter special in, in the days leading up to the celebration of Easter. And I want to make this part a little bit fun, right, and, and get your thoughts on, you know, some of the things that maybe when you were a kid that you did and your family did. And, um, you know, and I'll just share the meaning of Easter for us at Vincentian and for our residents. It is a great time. So obviously, it's, as, I, as I said as before the break, you know, it's invigorating, right? It's spring. Everything's coming out. It's one of my favorite holidays. And for our residents, it's special because let's face it, you know, we at Vincentian, doesn't matter your faith. We accept everybody, but the majority of the folks at Vincentian are Catholic and they look forward to Easter and they remember when they were kids. And I think for our residents in our homes, it's that ability to continue that because it is Catholic and they can go to church and there is a chapel and it does make it special. We do a lot with the intergenerational with a lot of the kids in our daycare. Uh, you know, there's a lot of paintings that are done and really reminds them of spring. But I wanted to get, you know, your thoughts on what a favorite memory of yours growing up as, as a kid. Yeah, well, Easter. Yeah, my, yeah, you know, obviously my parents, especially my mom, who was, you know, just Irish Catholic woman, you know, she always impressed upon us that, you know, Easter is the biggest. Oh, yeah. You know, it Absolutely. is the biggest. And, uh, you know, it wasn't like Christmas where you got tons of presents or anything, but, you know, to what you meant as being a Catholic, that was, that was it. And, you know, I just loved growing up. My parents, you know, they, uh, we did the traditional things. So sure. uh, they hid the Easter baskets. You know, oh, yeah. And as as we got older, it was harder. And, you know, I did the same thing to my boys, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. every year. And so searching them down. And, and that was a beautiful thing. One of the funnest things that my dad would do, especially as the grandkids, they ended up having like 14 grandkids. So my dad would like take 14 eggs and he would put money into oh, them, you yeah. know. So, yeah. you know, there'd be like, you know, a couple bucks, a five bucks, you know, like a 20. Sure. You know, and then I had as everyone visited my parents, because I'm, I'm one of six, and we all lived in Pittsburgh, so 
So, you know, everyone would come. And as we came and visited my parents, once everybody got there, then my dad would bust out the Easter basket full of these colored eggs. Sure. And every kid would get to pick them, the youngest first. <laughs> and then they'd all open them, you know, and you'd have to see what you get, you know. You'd be, you'd yeah. have to be the one with the $20 yeah, bill, yeah, you right? wanted to be the one with the 20 <laughs> And sometimes you even put a couple of 20s in there. So there was a couple of happy ones, obviously. Yeah. No, I think for us, you know, being Italian, and this is something we still do today. We do the Easter egg hunt for the kids, mm-hmm. but even my parents to this day. So we, one of the things in Italy is you get a chocolate egg, big chocolate Easter egg, and it's hollow on the inside with yeah. a surprise mm-hmm. for the kids, right? So I think you can find those pretty much anywhere now, um, you know, Giant Eagle and a couple right. places. But for us as kids, it was, you know, you, my parents would make the trip down to the Strip District and mm-hmm. they'd hit Penn Mac and, uh, you know, they'd get these eggs that, that come directly from Italy. And when you opened them, you, you know, you were excited and it was something small that, you know, might get like a small musical instrument toy or something. Right. Uh, but, you know, even though over in Italy to this day, they take it to a whole nother level. Well, they'll, they'll actually put jewelry. I mean, people have, will actually wow. propose on Easter Sunday and hide that ring in yeah. that Easter egg. So for me, and that's something my kids enjoy now. Uh, I enjoyed it when I was a kid looking, you know, but now it's, it, I, I, tell my mom i'm like easy on that make it a smaller egg because that's a chocolate rush for my kids yeah and, you know then i've got to manage that and i'm sure my wife uh you know i know she's she's listening and and she'll say yes please no no please do not not a big easter egg but um aside from that i think you're absolutely right easter is one of my favorite holidays um christmas in my household it was always christmas eve right with the seven fishes it's right. a tradition but easter is something just special it just gives you this feeling of, you know, everything's coming up and it's springtime. Um, my wife um, and my mother, you know, before that, the Easter bread was always a tradition in our house. And it's fantastic. And just the smell of that and getting up and, and knowing that you're going to have that, that Easter bread is something that, you know, you cherish. But, you know, I, I often wonder, you know, amongst Catholics, you know, do, do these traditions get passed on? So right. everything that you just told me when you were a kid, is that something that you passed on to your kids and yeah then we do my wife still likes to make the easter ham and uh, yeah you know, this year her sister's making it so you know they were planning last week where we're gonna go and how you know what everybody's sure. gonna bring so it's still a, a joyous time you know there's the joy in the resurrection there's the joy of spring and there's the joy of family you know just being together and praying and and loving the fact that you know god has really blessed us you know here and what a beautiful time it is yeah and i and to your point it is you know it is holy week and you know you go from good friday something that catholics look at as somber and you know obviously the crucifixion to when you get to church on that Sunday morning and you, you see the smiling faces and all the little girls dressed up in their nice, you know, spring dresses and little boys dressed up and everybody's happy, all you know, and it's it just gives you that feeling of hope and that every year, every year, yeah. you know, and you look forward to that. So I think it's it's a fantastic feeling. And St. Catherine's, again, I mean, I'll keep plugging it, but and I know there's a lot of great parishes in our diocese, but I don't think I'd want to go anywhere else. I think uh, Deacon Cliff, Father Steve, and everybody that, that is there at St. Catherine makes it a family. Large parish. I mean, it we've is. got a lot of parishioners, but it feels like family when you walk in. Everybody knows everybody, and choir's fantastic. It's it's just a real, real family feel, I think, all the way around. But looking ahead, Easter Sunday today, what's next on the calendar in the Catholic 
church. It's a great time because, you know, the Easter season, it lasts 40 days. Right. And we take that to heart. We, we, we're going to celebrate those 40 days. One of the beautiful things, you know, that obviously happens is we have Mother's Day within that 40 yes. days. And that's always a, a joy and excitement, especially when you have a younger parish like ours, because there's, you know, lots of folks and lots of kids and those things. We have first the Holy Communion's coming up. So we have a couple that's of right. Sundays when first Holy right. Communion, when these young folks, these young, the young church where they've been studying and ready and, and they're going to be able to finally receive our Lord. And, you know, there's just a, a excitement beyond compare yeah um, for myself and father steve when you know those i think we have 70 young folks that are going to receive their first communion uh, the first two sundays in may sure. during that easter season we keep it in that easter season you know, just right. to keep that celebration progressing through so, so those are some of the really neat things that uh, come up in there and, and you're right when you know when you talk about easter i just always my one of my other favorite memories is walking into the church and just seeing how beautifully decorated it is with the Easter lilies. Exactly. You know, it's just breathtaking. And we have an environmental committee uh, that are going to work really hard to make our church, you know, as beautiful as it possibly can be. And for us on Sunday, we have so many people that we actually have to have two extra liturgies, you know, yes. that we have down in Farmer Hall. And we'll have that all decorated up and the kids will be there and so great, yeah, no, I, I think time. it's it's a great time. It's fantastic. And unfortunately, that's all the time we have today on Vincentian Voice. Thank you again to our guest, Deacon Cliff, for joining us. It's It's been fantastic. And again, we want to wish everyone listening, you and your families, a happy Easter. And it's a blessed time of the year. And, and thank you for joining us again today. And God bless. Thank you. God bless you, Nick. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Vincentian Voice, a voice for seniors and their families, with Vincentian President and CEO Nick Vizaka. You can learn more about Vincentian at www.vcs.org. If you have an idea for the show, email Nick anytime at ceo at vcs.org or call 412-548-4054. That's 412-548-4054. Join us right here on Talk Radio 1320 next Sunday at noon for the next episode of Vincentian Voice.